The Life of St. Hilarion, Chapters 16 through 30, by St. Jerome. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A charioteer, also of Gaza, stricken by a demon in his chariot, became perfectly stiff, so that he could neither move his hand nor bend his neck. He was brought on a litter, but could only signify his petition by moving his tongue, and was told that he could not be healed unless he first believed in Christ and promised to forsake his former occupation. He believed, he promised, and he was healed, and rejoiced more in the saving of the soul than in that of the body. Again, a very powerful youth called Marcitus from the neighborhood of Jerusalem plumed himself so highly on his strength that he carried fifteen bushels of grain for a long time over a considerable distance and considered it his highest glory that he could beat the asses in endurance. This man was afflicted with a grievous demon and could not endure chains or fetters, but broke even the bolts and bars of the doors. He had bitten off the noses and ears of many, and had broken the feet of some, the legs of others. He had struck such terror of himself and to everybody that he was laden with chains and dragged by ropes on all sides, like a wild bull to the monastery. As soon as the brethren saw him, they were greatly alarmed, for the man was of a gigantic size, and told the father. He, seated as he was, commanded him to be brought to him and released. When he was free, bow your head, said he, and come. The man began to tremble. He twisted his neck round and did not dare to look him in the face, but laid aside all his fierceness and began to lick his feet as he sat. At last the demon which had possessed the young man, being tortured by the saint's adjurations, came forth on the seventh day. Nor must we omit to tell that Orion, a leading man and wealthy citizen of Ariah, on the coast of the Red Sea, being possessed by a legion of demons, was brought to him. Hands, neck, sides, feet were laden with iron, and his glaring eyes portended an access of raging madness. As the saint was walking with the brethren and expounding some passage of scripture, the man broke from the hands of his keepers, clasped him from behind, and raised him aloft. There was a shout from all, for they feared lest he might crush his limbs, wasted as they were with fasting. The saint smiled and said, Be quiet, and let me have my rival in the wrestling match to myself. Then he bent back his hand over his shoulder till he touched the man's head, seized his hair, and drew him round so as to be foot to foot with him. He then stretched both his hands in a straight line and trod on his two feet with both his own, while he cried out again and again, To torment with you, ye crowd of demons, to torment. The sufferer shouted aloud and bent back his neck till his head touched the ground, while the saint said, Lord Jesus, release this wretched man, release this captive. Thine it is to conquer many, no less than one. What I now relate is unparalleled. From one man's lips were heard different voices, and as it were, the confused shouts of a multitude. Well, he too was cured, and not long after came with his wife and children to the monastery, bringing many gifts, expressive of his gratitude. The saint thus addressed him, Have you not read what befell Gehazi and Simon, one of whom took a reward, the other offered it? the former in order to sell grace, the latter to buy it. And when Orion said with tears, Take it and give it to the poor, he replied, You can best distribute your own gifts, for you tread the streets of the cities and know the poor. Why should I, who have forsaken my own, seek another man's? 
to many the name of the poor is a pretext for their avarice but compassion knows no artifices no one better spends than he who keeps nothing for himself the man was sad and lay upon the ground be not sad my son he said what i do for my own good i do also for yours if i were to take these gifts i should myself offend god and moreover the legion would return to you there is a story relating to Najamites of gaza which it is impossible to pass over in silence while quarrying building stones on the shore not far from the monastery he was helplessly paralyzed and after being carried to the saint by his fellow workmen immediately returned to his work in perfect health i ought to explain that the shore of palestine and egypt naturally consists of a soft sand and gravel which gradually becomes consolidated and hardens into rock and thus though to the eye it remains the same it is no longer the same to the touch another story relates to Atalicus, a citizen of the same town he was a christian and kept horses for the circus to contend against those of the duumvir of gaza who was a votary of the idol god marnus this custom at least in roman cities was as old as the days of romulus and was instituted in commemoration of the successful seizure of the sabine women the chariots raced seven times round the circus in honor of consus in his character of the god of counsel victory lay with the team which tired out the horses opposed to them now the rival of Atelicus had in his pay a magician to incite his horses by certain demonical incantations and keep back those of his opponents Atalicus therefore came to the blessed hilarion and besought his aid not so much for the injury of his adversary as for the protection of himself it seemed absurd for the venerable old man to waste prayers on trifles of this sort he therefore smiled and said why do you not rather give the price of the horses to the poor for the salvation of your soul his visitor replied that his office was a public duty and that he acted not so much from choice as from compulsion that no christian man could employ magic but would rather seek aid from a servant of god especially against the people of gaza who were enemies of god and who would exult over the church of christ more than over him at the request therefore of the brethren who were present he ordered an earthenware cup out of which he was wont to drink to be filled with water and given to Atalicus. the latter took it and sprinkled it over his stable and horses his charioteers and his chariot and the barriers of the course the crowd was in a marvellous state of excitement for the enemy in derision had published the news of what was going to be done and the backers of Atalicus were in high spirits at the victory which they promised themselves the signal was given the one team flies towards the goal the other sticks fast the wheels are glowing hot beneath the chariot of the one while the other scarce catches a glimpse of their opponent's backs as they flit past the shouts of the crowd swell to a roar and the heathens themselves with one voice declare marnus is conquered by christ after this the opponents in their rage demanded that hilarion as a christian musician should be dragged to the execution this decisive victory and several others which followed in successive games of the circus caused many to turn to the faith there was a youth in the neighborhood of the same market town of gaza who was desperately in love with one of god's virgins after he had tried it again and again those touches jests nods and whispers which so commonly lead to the destruction of virginity but made no progress by these means he went to a magician at memphis to whom he proposed to make known his wretched state 
and then fortified with his arts to return to his assaults upon the virgin accordingly after a year's instruction by the priest of esculapius who does not heal souls but destroys them he came full of lust which he had previously allowed his mind to entertain and buried beneath the threshold of the girl's house certain magical formulae and revolting figures engraven on a plate of cyprian brass thereupon the maid began to show signs of insanity to throw away the covering of her head tear her hair gnash her teeth and loudly call the youth by name her intense affection had become a frenzy her parents therefore brought her to the monastery and delivered her to the aged saint no sooner was this done than the devil began to howl and confess i was compelled i was carried off against my will how happy i was when i used to beguile the men of memphis in their dreams what crosses what torture i suffer you force me to go out and i am kept bound under the threshold i cannot go out unless the young man who keeps me there lets me go the old man answered your strength must be great indeed if a bit of thread and a plate can keep you bound tell me how is it that you dared to enter into this maid who belongs to god that i might preserve her as a virgin said he you preserve her betrayer of chastity why did you not rather enter into him who sent you for what purpose he answers should i enter into the one who was in alliance with a comrade of my own the demon of love but the saint would not command search to be made for either the young man or the charms till the maiden had undergone the process of purgation for fear it might be thought that the demon had been realized by means of incantations or that he himself had attached credit to what he said he declared that demons are deceitful and well versed in dissimulation and sharply rebuked the virgin when she recovered her health for having by her conduct given an opportunity for the demon to enter it was not only in palestine and the neighboring cities of egypt or syria that he was in high repute but his fame had reached distant provinces an officer of the emperor constantius whose golden hair and personal beauty revealed his country it lay between the saxons and the almani was of no great extent but powerful and known to historians as germany but is now called france had long that is to say from infancy been pursued by a devil who forced him in the night to howl groan and gnash his teeth he therefore secretly asked the emperor for a post warrant plainly telling him why he wanted it and having also obtained letters to the legate at palestine came with great pomp and a large retinue to gaza on his inquiring of the local senators where hilarion the monk dwelt the people of gaza were much alarmed and supposing that he had been sent by the emperor brought him to the monastery that they might show respect to one so highly accredited and that if any guilt had been incurred by them by injuries previously done by them to hilarion it might be obliterated by their present dutifulness the old man at the same time was taking a walk on the soft sands and was humming some passage or other from the psalms seeing so great a company approaching he stopped and having returned the salutes of all while he raised his hand and gave them his blessing after an hour's interval he bade the rest withdraw and would have his visitor together with servants and officers remain for by the man's eyes and countenance he knew the cause of his coming immediately on being questioned by the servant of god the man sprang up on tiptoe so as scarcely to touch the ground with his feet 
and with a wild roar replied in syriac in which language he had been interrogated pure syriac was heard flowing from the lips of a barbarian who knew only french and latin and that without the absence of a sibilant or an aspirant or an idiom of the speech of palestine the demon then confused by what means he had entered into him further that his interpreters who knew only greek and latin might understand hilarion questioned him also in greek and when he gave the same answer in the same words and alleged in excuse many occasions on which spells had been laid upon him and how he was bound to yield to magic arts i care not said the saints how you came to enter but i command you in the name of our lord jesus christ to come out the man as soon as he was healed with a rough simplicity offered him ten pounds of gold but the saint took from him only bread and told him that they who were nourished on such food regarded gold as mire it is not enough to speak of men brute beasts also were daily brought to him in a state of madness and among them a bractean camel of enormous size amidst the shouts of thirty men or more who held him tight with stout ropes he had already injured many his eyes were bloodshot his mouth filled with foam his rolling tongue swollen and above every other source of terror was his loud and hideous roar well the old man ordered him to be let go at once those who brought him as well as the attendants of the saint fled away without exception the saint went by himself to meet him and addressing him in syriac said you do not alarm me devil huge though your present body is whether in a fox or a camel you are just the same meanwhile he stood with outstretched hand the brute raging and looking as if he would devour hilarion came up to him but immediately fell down laid its head on the ground and to the amazement of all present showed suddenly no less tameness than it had exhibited ferocity before but the old man declared to them how the devil for men's sake seizes even beasts of burden that he is inflamed by such intense hatred for men that he desires to destroy not only them but what belongs to them as an illustration of this he added the fact that before he was permitted to try the saintly job he made an end of all his substance nor ought it to disturb any one that by the lord's command two thousand swine were slain by the agency of demons since those who witnessed the miracle could not have believed that so great a multitude of demons had gone out of the man unless an equally vast number of swine had rushed to ruin showing that it was a legion that impelled them time would fail me if i wished to relate all the miracles which were wrought by him for to such a pitch of glory was he raised by the lord that the blessed antony among the rest hearing of his life wrote to him and gladly received his letters and if ever the sick from syria came to him he would say to them why have you taken the trouble to come so far when you have my son hilarion following his example however innumerable monasteries sprang up throughout the whole of palestine and all the monks flocked to him when he saw this he praised the lord for his grace and exhorted them individually to the profit of their souls telling them that the fashion of this world passes away and that the true life is that which is purchased by suffering in the present wishing to set the monks an example of humility and of zeal he was accustomed on fixed days before the vintage to visit their cells when the brethren knew this they would come all together to meet him and in company with their distinguished leader 
go the round of the monasteries, taking with them provisions, because sometimes as many as two thousand men were assembled. But as time went on, all the settlements round gladly gave food to the neighboring monks for the entertainment of the saints. Moreover, the care he took to prevent any brother, however humble or poor, being passed over, is evidenced by the journey he once took into the desert of Cads to visit one of his disciples. With a great company of monks he reached Alusa, as it happened on the day when the annual festival had brought all the people together to the temple of Venus. This goddess is worshipped on account of Lucifer, to whom the Sacrian nation is devoted. The very town, too, is to a great extent semi-barbarous, owing to its situation. When, therefore, it was heard that St. Hilarion was passing through, he had frequently healed many Sacrians possessed by demons. He went to meet in the crowds, with their wives and children, bending their heads and crying in the Syriac tongue, Barak, that is, bless. He received them with courtesy and humility, and prayed that they might worship God rather than stones. At the same time, weeping copiously, he looked up to heaven and promised that if they would believe in Christ, he would visit them often. By the marvelous grace of God, they did not suffer him to depart before he had drawn the outline of a church, and the priest, with his garland upon his head, had been signed with the sign of Christ. Another year, again, when he was setting out to visit the monasteries and was drawing up a list of those with whom he must stay and whom he must see in passing, the monks knowing that one of their number was a niggard, and being at the same time desirous to cure his complaint, asked the saint to stay with him. He replied, Do you wish me to inflict injury on you and annoyance on the brother? The niggardly brother, on hearing of this, was ashamed, and with the strenuous support of all his brethren, at length obtained from the saint a reluctant promise to put his monastery on the roll of his resting places. Ten days after they came to him and found the keepers already on guard in the vineyard through which their course lay, to keep off all comers with stones and clods and slings. In the morning they all departed without having eaten a grape, while the old man smiled and pretended not to know what had happened. Once when they were being entertained by another monk, whose name was Sabas, we must not, of course, give the name of the niggard, we may tell that of this generous man, because it was the Lord's day when they were all invited by him into the vineyard, so that before the hour for food came they might relieve the toil of the journey by the respite of grapes. Said the saint, Cursed be he who looks for the refreshment of the body before that of the soul. Let us pray, let us sing, let us do our duty to God, and then we will hasten to the vineyard. When the service was over, he stood on an eminence and blessed the vineyard and let his own sheep go to their pasture. Now those who partook were not less than three thousand, and whereas the whole vineyard had been estimated at a hundred flagons, within thirty days he made it worth three hundred. The niggardly brother gathered much less than usual, and he was grieved to find that even what he had turned to vinegar. The old man had predicted this to many brethren before it happened. He particularly abhorred such monks, as were led by their lack of faith to hoard for the future, and were careful about expense or raiment, or some other of those things which pass away with the world. Lastly, he would not even look at one of the brethren who lived about five miles off, because he ascertained that he very jealously guarded his bit of ground, 
and had a little money. The offender, wishing to be reconciled to the old man, often came to the brethren, and in particular to Hezekiah, who was especially dear to Hilarion. One day, accordingly, he brought a bundle of green chickpea, just as it had been gathered. Hezekiah placed it on the table against the evening, whereupon the old man cried out that he could not bear the stench, and asked where it came from. Hezekiah replied that a certain brother had sent the brethren the first fruits of his ground. Don't you notice, said he, the horrible stench, and detect the foul odor of avarice in the peas? Send it to the cattle, send it to the brute beasts, and see whether they can eat it. No sooner was it, in obedience to his command, laid in the manger than the cattle, in the wildest alarm, and bellowing loudly, broke their fastenings, and fled in different directions. For the old man was enabled by grace to tell from the odor of bodies and garments, and the things which any one had touched, by what demon or with what vice the individual was distressed. His sixty-third year found the old man at the head of a grand monastery, and a multitude of resident brethren. There were such crowds of persons, constantly bringing those who suffered from various kinds of sicknesses, or were possessed of unclean spirits, that the whole circuit of the wilderness was full of all sorts of people. And as the saint saw all this, he wept daily, and called to mind with incredible regret his former mode of life. When one of the brethren asked him why he was so dejected, he replied, I have returned again to the world, and have received my reward in my lifetime. The people of Palestine and the adjoining province think of me of some importance, and under pretense of a monastery for the well-ordering of the brethren, I have all the apparatus of a paltry life about me. The brethren, however, kept watch over him, and in particular Hezekias, who had a marvelous devoted affection and veneration for the old man. After he had spent two years in these lamentations, Aristinete, the lady of whom we made mention before, as being then the wife of a prefect, though without any of the prefect's ostentation, came to him, intending to pay a visit to Antony also. He said to her, I should like to go myself too, if I were not kept a prisoner in this monastery, and if my going could be fruitful, for it is now two days since mankind was bereaved of him who was so truly a father to them all. She believed his word and stayed where she was, and after a few days the news came that Antony had fallen asleep. Some may wonder at the miracles he worked, or his incredible fasting, knowledge, and humility. Nothing so astonishes me as his power to tread underfoot honor and glory. Bishops, presbyters, crowds of clergymen and monks, or Christian matrons even, a great temptation, and a great rabble from all quarters in town and country were congregating about him, and even judges and others holding high positions, that they might receive at his hands the bread or oil which he had blessed. But he thought of nothing but solitude, so much so that one day he determined to be gone, and having procured an ass, he was almost exhausted with fasting and could scarcely walk, endeavored to steal away. The news spread far and wide, and, just as if a public mourning for the desolation of Palestine were decreed, ten thousand people of various ages and both sects came together to prevent his departure. He was unmoved by entreaties, and striking the sand with his stick, kept saying, I will not make my lord a deceiver. I cannot look upon churches overthrown. Christ's altar is trodden down. The blood of my sons poured out. All who were present began to understand that some secret had been revealed to him 
which he was unwilling to confess. But they, nonetheless, kept guard over him, that he might not go. He therefore determined, and publicly called all to witness, that he would take neither food nor drink unless he were released. Only after seven days was he relieved from his fasting, when, having bidden farewell to numerous friends, he came to Batilium, attended by a countless multitude. There he prevailed upon the crowd to return and choose as his companions forty monks who had resources for the journey and were capable of traveling during fasting time, that is, after sunset. He then visited the brethren who were in the neighboring desert and sojourning at a place called Niknos, and after three days came to the castle of Thebatus to see Dracontius, bishop and confessor, who was in exile there. The bishop was beyond measure cheered by the presence of so distinguished a man. At the end of another three days, he set off for Babylon and arrived there after a hard journey. Then he visited Philo, the bishop, who was also a confessor, for the emperor Constantius, who favored the Arian heresy, had transported both of them to those parts. Departing thence, he came in three days to the town of Ephrodoton. There he met with a deacon, Brasens, who kept dromedaries which were hired, on account of the scarcity of water in the desert, to carry travelers who wished to visit Antony. He then made known to the brethren that the anniversary of the blessed Antony's decease was at hand, and that he must spend a whole night in vigil in the very place where the saint had died. So then, after three days' journey through the waste and terrible desert, they at length came to a very high mountain, and there found two monks, Isaac and Pelusianos, the former of whom had been one of Antony's attendants. End of chapters 16 through 30